Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode is all about metadata, specifically metadata related to data analytics, analysis, big data computation, sort of the data lake metadata problem. If I haven't said data and metadata enough, then uh, you, you haven't gotten the idea of just how deeply we went down the rabbit hole on this topic. And yet, every time we look at data analytics and data systems, the idea of having a way to manage, control, and explain the data is actually as important as the data itself. And this topic of exploring metadata and what needs to be included in metadata and why it's important reveals the challenges of data management, but also the potential of understanding so much more about how data is used. If you are an IT professional and you support data analytics and analysis or a data professional, you will find this conversation fascinating because we really do get into next generation thinking about how we're going to draw inferences, manage and control all of that data that we're collecting. I know you will enjoy the podcast. So what we identified um, yesterday in, in a lot of very productive detail was that in data systems, there are a lot of sources and sinks. And historically, the antidote for that has been to dump everything into one big repository, nowadays called the data lake, um, and then use that as sort of your analysis pool and your aggregation point and your management point. Um, but there are significant drawbacks in that strategy um, and so it, in meaning it's not even really possible to do it, <laughs> let alone do an, do analysis when you think you can do it. Um, and so what we've what we've realized is that in a data system, you have to have a multi um, component approach to managing and analyzing and sharing data and controlling access to data within the system. And that's often called a data fabric or a data mesh, and there's tools and strategies for doing that. Um, and of those, I don't feel like we feel like any of them is particularly robust or resilient. Um, and so there's the, the Certainly topic. none of them are, none of them are complete in terms of there's, there, there is no all singing, all dancing approach. And so the the gap that we keep coming back to as part of the challenge here is that the control system, the control model for the data in that space ends up being the um, not the data itself, but a layer of information around the data, which yeah. is metadata. Um, and, and that's the that's the tee up for today. Is what what does that yeah. have to look like to provide a, a control infra infrastructure? And and Rob, you might want to say that we started out the conversation um, talking about semantic 
the semantic layer and, and oh yeah that was kind of how we how we got into it because it was like okay what is this semantic layer all about and um and we and uh, that's what kind of progressed us into the data mesh data fabric I'm, I'm i'm laughing because that you just exposed my bias of of not including things i don't fully understand into a definition <laughs> Well, join the human race. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually apropos. I was I was really uh, hoping to have been available, but I had uh, Twitter live space issues connecting with it. Man, has that thing gone downhill? Unbelievable! It took like forever to get the connection because I was speaking at twelve, and um, the uh, moderator also left a lot to be desired. So. That being said, I apologize for missing out, but I'm glad you brought up the word of semantic because, oh, Tyler, my friend Tyler, are we doing semantic modeling today of our metadata? I would love to. That sounds fantastic to me. I you're you're gonna have to go back and and help me understand the the difference. I'm okay with with either metadata is going to be a multi a multi year conversation. But oh, yeah. oh, I meant semantic modeling of metadata. Oh, all right. Well, so when I when I hear y'all say semantic and when we've discussed it, um, it means understanding the context in which the data is generated. Which I think I guess meta metadata is part of that. But I'm, I'm, I, I keep feeling like I'm missing something in this. Yeah. Okay. Um, when well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read back what I think Joanne and Tyler are talking about, and that is that we discuss metadata, and there's this nice definition. It's data about data. Um, but what it, but what needs to happen is some sort of uniformity or at very least kind of a some kind of an agreement around the ways in which you in which you categorize in which you share and exchange metadata. So there have to be some kind of agreed upon definitions or semantics mm -hmm. sometimes it's nothing more than just establishing the same name so that you know oh yeah i know that's what you're talking about because we use the same terminology um in point of fact the whole discussion that i think we're going to have today <laughs> is actually about the semantics of metadata, the categorization or the typologies or the taxonomies, whatever you'd like um, oh, of metadata. And because without that, you without kind of incorporating kind of the domain about the domain that's operative when you're talking about metadata, um, you're going to get lost. And so we're talking about things that are mostly distinctions. 
and this is okay this is my soapbox and then i'll let tyler and joanne go at it um i think about i am not gonna fight joanne she will win and i'm not gonna fight tyler so there okay then in in that case it won't it won't it won't it won't be a you know it won't be adversarial it'll be everybody sitting around the campfire singing songs but it's things like Distinguishing technical metadata from business metadata, uh, distinguishing things that are descriptive, descriptive metadata from structural metadata, um, data quality versus mm, data lineage or data history. Um, there are things like the context contextual metadata and kind of the technical process. And when I say context, it might be a business process or something on that order versus the technical processes like, um, oh, what you're using to to manage or analyze the data, um, the specific transformations, the analytic processes. Those are like the four or five big kind of buckets or categories or distinctions that I I like to think about when I'm when we're oh. dealing with metadata. So all right, I'll shut up. I, I ended up with more with more than five. So um well and then I and then I added one, but okay. <laughs> from your notes, from you, but that's that's me. Yeah, and actually, and I, might be, I might be doubling them up. Yeah, and I'm and I'm 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 actually writing this up, but and there's a there's a lot to be said about um, context. You know, yeah. basically, yes. when you're when you're saying uh, metadata, all right, uh, metadata in what context are we are we talking about the organization? Are we talking about um, you know context being time or space or geography rather um so it it it's a um it's kind of a never it's a, it's a it's the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> yeah can you see and this? so yes yeah here you go um, very loose a lot of this in terms of defining relationships, constraints, and axioms. So this would be, because it's domain-specific, I think I, I sort of took the idea of banking where there's so many different kinds of transactions and so many different kinds of accounts and said, well, if I was going to do it for something like that, how would I create the ontology using a semantic model? In preparation mm -hmm. for types, comments, of course. <laughs> I'm just going to show you my ontology that I built five years ago and sit back and watch Joanne blow holes in it. That should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that to you, Tyler. Oh, I please do. do. I don't respect you if you don't. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, fighting words. Yes. Um, I Well, just say that it's because I value your, your opinion so much. I don't want you to candy coat it. Okay. I've, I've, well, I've got yours is, I can take it. 
yeah, no, yours is probably much better. But I started going down this road on the basis of discussion purposes. And that's why it's very vague and, and whatever, whatever, because I have a question for Rich in terms of creating the hierarchy of the metadata and the metadata records, you're going to have this like thinking of it from the manufacturing point of view where you've got like five big back office systems. How are you going to use uh, the metadata element unique identifiers and where are you going to get that province from and how much for how much back in time are you going to go? Because we have these huge cross index spreadsheets, you know, in a lot of companies that kind of do that referencing model. And I was, before I started really diving down in this, I said, I have a question when it comes to those subsystems and how you're going to actually do A is B in system one and D is A in system two. You're talking about, so you're talking about mapping. You're talking about in that particular case. Yeah. And so what my question was, was the interrelationships. So the difference between a taxonomy and an ontology is the capturing of the relation interrelationships of the components. Yeah, you you have that here. But but when I was looking at it, I was wondering if in the unique namespace camp of the world, given data fabrics and data meshes and all of that sort of thing, if there already existed some sort of schema or lingua franca that we might use to say, in your domain, assign these elements or schema parts or identifiers this way. What has happened is there's not one, there's not one approach that, you know, kind of covers it all. I mean, I know. face it, you know, it just doesn't exist. The closest I've come to finding anything that's helpful is um, the some of the work of schema.org. Right. And, um, and then individual communities of interest, you know, come together and decide, say, you know, here is our, here is our taxonomy. Uh, actually, most of them call it a taxonomy. It's not really, but th- the point being, here's our data dictionary. Here's what we yeah. here's 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 how we hmm. here's how we identify the piece parts. Um, what I think we're talking about, however, is there there are lots of overlaps. I mean, just it, it, these things are not clean, nice, separate little, you know, compartments into which you can place things. So um, context is everything. The, and among the big context categories is what's the domain? What's the, what's the universe okay. of discourse that's included and what's not? Okay, so I did do the schema.org thing before I asked the question. And I couldn't find anything really useful because of the overlaps. So then I did something that you're all going to laugh at me for. I went to an EDI dictionary. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Okay. And there you have communities of interest 
that got together and basically said, if we're going to exchange information about these things that are being um, referenced in, in our in our documents, these electronic documents that are yeah, moving yeah. back and forth, you know, we'll just we will as a group agree that you know um, 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 a right-handed dog polisher is distinct from a left-handed dog polisher as follows. Right. And the only reason I went down that road, just just not because I'm A, that old or B, that stupid, but went down that road because I thought, well, maybe for certain domains like banking, you might have something ready to use that you could just sort of like scoop and re, um, refurbish, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, and put piece parts together. But on that note, I mean, I did try and go down this path. My biggest issue with it and, and leaving it very vague and, and the unique identifiers was I thought you might know of something better than schema.org, not as antiquated or obtuse as EDI. And Tyler, it's now on you. Since you defined it, you got the patent for it. <laughs> Show it. All right, let's do this. So I'm going to stop sharing. Okay, so... There is tons to unpack, so I'm going to start with this. Um, it, it, it was a little. It took me a little time to pull this stuff out because this is stuff that was in slide decks from five years ago, and I stopped using any of that because I realized that nobody knew what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> uh, so this picture here, this was actually this was a. Uh, gardener briefing I did and a forester briefing I did years ago or years ago 2018 what's that half a decade uh, now uh, feels like it I know I'm a lot grayer than I was uh, anyway so this picture is like kind of that thinking this was if you look at each one of these areas or these domains or or describe what you will there's a whole vendor ecosystem and tooling ecosystem and open source ecosystem that is all aligned for each one of these one two three four five six seven areas plus some other ones and one of the you know like so you you think about all of the tooling that's out there right and each and and the diagram and how it doesn't doesn't map so let me give you a metaphor. So think about the history of, and I'm sure you got some of you guys at least have heard this already, is the assembly line. So most people think Henry Ford invented the assembly line. He did not. It was actually invented by meat packers and slaughterhouses in Chicago in the mid to late 19th century. What Henry Ford does, did was he saw the commonalities of a, of a system and saw that it could be applied to a completely different domain or endeavor. So what I submit is that you look at these seven different domains in IT, and our goal should be to figure out what is the common language across all of the this space. Uh, I would also say that that common language does not exist, at least in a programmable format. So that's kind of where... I was framing the problem set. So now if you look at, sorry, that's 
at this is my technical white paper of the Privats matrix. And so conceptually, I'm thinking that if we broke down, or first of all, let's let's define data. So for me, I take the broadest possible definition of digital data, meaning anything that is encoded as a zero or one in a stream of bits. And so that includes not just traditional data, but uh you know, operational recipes that Rob has in 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 digital rebar, for example, right? You wouldn't normally think of that as data, but if we're going to actually build the common language across all the towers, we need to think about it that way, right? Uh, so I started um, th thinking about analysis. Sorry, Tyler, uh, can I ask a question? Yeah. Okay, so in your recipe and in your zeros and ones of packets, are you including or incorporating the header and the footer of the packet? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because those two will be different. Yes, they will be. So you've 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 got that's a great example, Joanne, of a of a heterogeneous. Uh, uh, data element, right? So you, you've got uh, the payload and then you've got the data that sits around the payload, like the ECC code. Uh, and then you've got the header that relates to routing and um, access via the network. So if you, so you remember the old OSI model that you yeah, know, yeah. You think about all the different stacks. Uh, that that packet has elements from multiple stacks in there, but it's still right. digital data, and you could apply metadata to the header information, to the payload information, um, to the. Uh, uh, to, so when when we look at you know the rest the recipes and structures, we have policies. So that's workflows. That's what we do with things, right? And then yeah. the state being what is what is the state? So let's de define this packet and the structure of it. So part of state would be like schema, but another part of it might be you know when was the last time that was used? So kind of think of a static and dynamic thing, kind of like what we see in biological systems where. I'm not showing it in this drawing, but um, how epigenetics is kind of your runtime for biology, whereas DNA, RNA, and your protein structures are kind of your recipe, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what I'm thinking yeah. is is that, is about this as a classification system in the ontology. But and, okay, so so. I guess my confusion, and maybe you can straighten it out for me in like two seconds, is my recipe. If I'm if I'm invoking state, I may have multiple states that I have to deal with. I okay, I can live with that. But in my header, I'm going to have a protocol. I'm going to have the header of the packet. I'm going to have a unique identifier to it. 
How am I dealing with the variation of the protocol? I'm not talking about the actual routing. Yeah. So so think the about protocol. So so think about this recipes and structures model for digital systems as as an almost fractal structure where the same pattern is repeating at different layers of the OSI model. Okay, so when I did the OSI model mapping, I, I, I used exactly that to try and get my brain around what we were going to talk about. I did I did break it out, but the part that that I got stuck on was the fact that I have in my world of manufacturing, I have six different sets of protocols that run on three different networks that all have to be either done simultaneously, some are a some are asynchronous, some are synchronous in terms of their state, some are restful, some are, you know, like totally convoluted. I mean, I could break it out into what's SCADA, what's HMI, what's broker, all that kind of stuff. But how do I reconcile that in the same recipe without it breaking? Well, what you what you described are a bunch, uh, essentially a bunch of attributes of a data object or a data element. Uh, how you access it, you know, uh, what the size of it is, um, you know, any any descriptors around that component, right? So that yeah. that's. So is so does that mean there's a directory? So can here's a yes yes there right, is because I'm I'm trying to clarify like does every packet of information bunch of packets overloaded every every unit of information coming off of each system need to have metadata or is there a directory that identifies the SCADA data <laughs> as you know this this with with the metadata attached at the directory level or maybe is some combination of both yeah that's I what the, that's that's right rob you got it it's it's yeah. that it's that directory now obviously we have to talk about how we build and and interact with the directory but yeah because because i could see uh, a an intermediate gateway where you would say all right this this system doesn't have any concept of really data portability or data sharing. It's just a control system, but it has a data exhaust to it. it might even have a data right. a data sync in it. And we want the exhaust from that system to actually be tagged properly and formatted in this way. Or maybe um, right. So so you're not you don't want people to attach directly to that source. But you do want people able to retrieve data from that source. And I would expect when people attach to that stream, they would get a degree of um, metadata, like the data coming out of it would each stream would be tagged with appropriate metadata. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. Actually, before we jump to go down that conversation for just a second. Sure. That's fine. Tyler, can you back up for just a, just a second or two and talk about state? Because it seems like you've you've loaded up state with yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. I, I will be happy to do that. So keep in mind, this is the top level of the hierarchy, right? 
Right. So each one of these things breaks down. So state, so state, we have a data. So in the ontology, we this, you know, you go straight to the ontology definition in Wikipedia. And here are the four elements of an ontology. So we're talking about the the object entity. So we have an object entity of type state, right? The second bullet. And then within that object, we have state, but then we have policies that encode the properties or, or what to do with the object based on the properties of the object and the state of the object, right? And then you keep going on, on farther down. Now, looking just at state, so in this, in this ontology, a System log, for example, is an example of state. It just has a timestamp that occurs in the past, right? You have a current state of an EC2 instance. You have right. a current state of an API. Um, so an API endpoint has a state object entity that is in the in the catalog. Okay. And does state have a reference to a context or an intent by the author or, or the the creator of this 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 data this datum? Well, so the answer is the answer is no, but the structure provides a standardized method for attaching those attributes to state. Okay. And so if, let me, let me suggest um, a scenario, a use case, and, and then you can read it back. Um, I may have created a, I, I, I am generally creating a, lo a, a log file for some process running and it's you know there's a there's a fairly conventional approach to logs at the at the most rudimentary level they have a time signature and some identifier and then some notes they're usually kind of freeformed um my use of that of that log file can be manied and varied. For example, not just in terms of the you know exchange of of the log data, but I may be inquiring. I may be um, running a query on that log data for the purpose of uh, looking for anomalies. I may be. Uh, querying that log data for the purpose of um, extracting operational information that I in turn analyze and use to tune the process that um, uh, is the generator of this log data. They're very different intentions for, for which I'm making the request. And so what comes back to me, I would hope, is data with the appropriate 
adjuncts information, the context that's that basically is referencing or is referenced by my my initial request. Yeah. Okay, so fit that into state for me. Well, so what? Uh, uh, so state is how things are at a certain state at, at a certain point in time. A certain point in time. Okay. Right? And then the policy is what to do if certain of those attributes, like, I don't know, who's requesting it, and we want to filter out sensitive data. So the requester, so if requester equals XYZ yeah. algorithm, okay. that's the policy, right? So yeah. the policy Policies. Is, is a recipe for how to, or wait, wait, the policy is the, is in a sense, the instructions for how the code operates to uh, uh, based on changes in state. Uh, yeah, okay. I think of I think of policies in the context what you just described. Policies are the things that guide uh, the API and tell the API. Um, you know, Rich has. Um, permissions to see but not change, um, and he gets to see the, this data but not that data. Those are kind of policies about access control and entitlements and and the like. Um, but once again, it's it's a combination of my role, my permissions, the context in which I've made the request. I'm asking for the the data store or the the API. Using the API, I'm asking for the data store. This is how I want to receive the data. This is what I want incorporated in the report you send back. And this is what I, I don't want or don't need. This is how I want it ordered. This is how I want it um, classified. This is the this is the context in which I want to consume the data out of that log file. Am I making any sense there? What? Yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm just. It, it, what's the question? Well, I guess the question is. Well, I think what when you talk about state, is there it strikes me is that there isn't one over overweening state. There is the data and you do have, you know, the current the current collection of data. What um, what's important is that. The data has been usually this data has been captured first and foremost with a particular domain or set of interests in mind. And that range of domains or interests is reflected, it gets reflected in the way I can, to some degree, in the way in which I can inquire of it, I can ask for it or search it, get a report, and so forth. And what I'm having trouble with is um, 
the notion of state. Well, you talked about state kind of referencing some kind of external description or domain or intent. Is that, am I correct about that? Or no? Well, no, it can, it's, it's any, it's anything that is, that, that describes what is right now about anything. So think of it like in, at a lower level, like, uh, like grammatical construct mm -hmm. where you have a, you know, okay. a subject and verb agreement within the sentence, mm -hmm. right? So the state is everything that describes what is about something. So, okay. So, so I have the same issue that Rich is having because to me, state is idle in transit delivered. You know, it's a physical, it's, it's a verb. It, it references a verb. What you're saying is different. And I think that that's where I'm having the confusion because I look at state as, is it at rest? Like, which of the verbs am I applying to that? You're referencing state as, as the overall context. No. Well, Where yeah. is it right now? Well, each, <laughs> each state is a time series slice, right? So state is okay. state at a point in time. Okay. And we can create policies that'll go back and you know look at state at previous times for example right so, so you can give me the delta yes so that's where the implementation oh. comes in uh where i've i've basically created a, a time series model and put it on top of a columnar data store cassandra so basically the the method where we go back can you guys Read this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you you can see where it says in the larger table the or the node type. And there's one, two, three, four different node types. And then if you look at the node ID, it's always the same. That's a U that's a UUID. So this yeah. is saying that for the node type policy security, so a security policy. Uh, since we have a unique identifier, each Tyler, you're we're cutting losing, your, losing your audio. audio. Cutting you out. might want to drop your video. Yeah. Oh, and my video has been off the whole time. Uh, sorry, hi everybody. <laughs> I'm going to keep I'm going to I'm going to keep it on because Tyler's having issues. Well, he's frozen in time. Yeah. OK, but I think what he's he's getting at is he's may, maybe if I'm understanding this correctly, his node type d with the same unique identifier is consistently looking at the various states that may have been in the past, the present, and maybe even in the future where they're going in terms of something like routing. And he's referencing it that way. But I, I, hey, I'm back. still struggling. Hey. Yeah. But I, it's, I mean, what I, what Tyler was showing to me is a metadata is a, is a 
is a, is a metadata tracking system for different streams, right? You're literally saying, you know, here's, let me, uh, you know, I'm, any, any data that you're looking at in the system, you're creating a reference chart that, that shows you here it is, here's, here's what, you know, sort of looking at the overall system, right? It's not the yeah. data. This is, this is a, a, a pointer to the data. Yeah. Yeah, right. I love it. The 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 C pl- the 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 uh, ANSI C reference, Rob. I love it. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. No, it's these are uh, yeah. These basically, yeah. Got that. But, I mean, so this so is when it's a, it's kind of an implementation detail, but you're you're the here's here's the question maybe using Rob's. Uh, very useful. I'm trying to be here. more concrete on this because it's hard for right. me to be so abstract on this. I could, I could, I could potentially have pointing to the same primary data a a completely different table. Could be time. It, it would it would be time series because what's invariant about the about the the thing that got captured is that point in time but my categorization scheme might be something quite different from the one that you've put in here and that's i guess that's my point that there is a there's a there's an intention or there's a domain kind of there's a there's a kind of a a universe of discourse that actually makes the metadata. Um, I, I I think I'm I can bring I can bring I can bring multiple I can bring multiple indices indexes against the primary data. So the thing, let's yeah, let's yes. go back to the biological metaphor and think yeah. about trees in the forest. Um, a, a sugar maple has the same recipes and same DNA for the most part, even though there's millions of trees in the forest and each tree looks completely different from the next one. The leaves look the same, but the structure of the branches, and that's kind of analogous to what you're talking about, Rich, is that structure is different. My intent is to build that underlying code so we've got that common language of the sugar maple. Okay. Uh, so, okay. so when so, when you think about how that grows out, the implementations will be different. But if you have the underlying uh, and underlying ontology that's implemented by an example, which is implemented by the matrix here, right? These tables with these different um, uh, object pro- standard properties and then custom properties depending that are data object specific, then when you build it out, it's going to look like a, it's, it's a, it's tree DNA, but it's going to look different every time you plant the seed. Right. Okay. Right. So hmm. take us back just one, one step then the standard properties that are, that are invariant to some degree, this is your group. This is your, this is your five or six standard properties that, Yes, exists yeah, in all just, of them. Yeah, those are in everything. 
Um, so if you want, I can actually show you an example of this ontology as a JSON in our platform. Would that help? Yeah, sure. Yes, but before you go there, I have a question. Sorry. Um, yes, every sugar maple can look the same. Uh, excuse me, can have the same mm. DNA. The genetic modification of that maple tree, however, call it, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking Casper, um, <laughs> should should also go to, to Rich's point about intent, because my intent could be to cut a piece of the maple sugar as a cutting to replant and grow a new one. My intent could be to cut it down to make room for something else. My intent could be to tap it for for sap. And Joanne, what you're what you're now describing is the policy data object. Okay, and and hmm. but, I mean this, this analogy is, is is not working as well for me. Sorry. Okay, what well, that that's fine. It hasn't worked for anybody but, else either ever. <laughs> <laughs> which okay. is. I mean, I mean, because because the things that the things that that Joanne's describing, I'm like, all that makes sense to me, yeah. but it's not a doesn't strike me as a data governance policy practice. Well, and, hang well, on. If if I'm not authorized it. to cut the tree down, Rob, well, then what? But, I, but, I, that, but that's an that's an action on like the data is not that's an action on the data. But that that would be equivalent to blowing up the source. That would be equivalent to turning off the source of, of, of a data stream, not. Well, right? OK, so or, or, Tyler, or potentially like, like, I, like I could see like if you were if you had a data stream, you might have somebody who has authority to modify the operational parameters of the source. Right. Which which I could see. Would would that be encoded in the sort? Like you could actually say, okay, this this is the source of the data. I need to know who owns the. And I, I could see this is valid. I need to own who owns the source, who has the control piece, right? That ownership that's different to me than like being able to modify the source of the data. Okay, so so we're blending. And that yeah. into state, right? So who has the store? Who has the 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 source or the lineage, data lineage, right. for example, whole yeah. set of different attributes, right? Is an right. element of state, which is counter to the way it's ever been described in IT as far as I know. Well, because you you think of state as as everything around that object, which includes lineage, which is really counterintuitive. I, actually, that that to me makes a ton of sense because, like that, the lineage makes uh, what I was calling provenance. I, I like lineage better, but um, there there are two. They're distinct. But go ahead. Okay. Um, but so so if I have a source of data, and I have I put something in front of that to turn it into a uniform stream, and that stream includes a degree of metadata around it, which could be in the directory or could be in the actual pack, how the data is shipped to me. I would assume there's meta there's like just like we have a TCP packet with a header. I would assume there's a data header and then there's a direct like both. 
Inside of that, I there's a system that that transformed it from the source. Yay, that's part of this um, lineage. And then I might actually have something that does additional analysis on it. And that is a second, that's a new source, but there's a lineage that ties me to the thing that I did the analysis from and then and then from there back to the original source of that data. All of that strikes me as useful metadata that has nothing to do with the data. I might be looking at the daily temperatures and it's coming as an average of all the stations in my area. And then there's so there's right, there's layers of aggregation and transformation going yeah. on. Yeah. But ideally I can go to that average temperature and get the metadata to decompose it, to decompose it, to decompose that. Is that is that what we're trying to describe here? Yes. And and okay. keep in mind when I say data is everything, it, it it's literally when when you said data, you were implying the traditional de data definition. But if you expand that to include things like, you know, lineage and state at a previous point in time and those types of what you called provenance plus a point in time record of changes in the overall system, then yeah, you're completely right on. That's what that is. Yeah. Does that is that I, I think it's well, I mean like I mean you're it's it's but to me the thing I, I asked for was the temperature, right? Temperature is the data and the, the all the other stuff the temperature is, or are you looking at the temperature at a certain point in time right uh, now? That's a question. Uh, uh, if you're looking right. at diffs, you know, what's the temperature for the location? So this is why my head explodes in these conversations. It's it, yeah. you're right. It's, and it's let like, me I just let the me temperature is like implied. Yeah, that's that's why intent okay. or the you know the intent either when you're capture capturing or the intent when you're basically retrieving is, or is is kind of important here. Um, and before we go too far, let me see if I can help you with the distinction between lineage and provenance. Oh, cool. Um, now, it, and, and by the way, you're not alone in kind of thinking they're pretty much the same thing. They really are not. Um, data lineage metadata is the kind of information it's about the origin and the movement of the data through its life cycle. And it includes an identification of the source of the data, <clears throat> the actual transformation that uh, some data has gone through, and anything you can talk about the data consumption, the endpoint. Provenance includes information about changes to it's it's almost a superset. It it does include history about the changes in data, but it all and how it's been modified. But it right. also is going to include things like who made the changes or what process made what system made the changes. It may also include data about uh, the metadata, uh, provenance metadata would sit there and say, oh, 
Um, this was this data at this point in time was in this jurisdiction, and these are the governing constraints for um, um, Holy compliance. I mean, that, with that's a lot. Privacy. That's a lot. That's a lot of information on on in. As, as but think a, about the fact that one of the things that is really, really valuable in thinking about the quality of the data you've got is, you know, not just where it originated, but where, how it went through its life cycle, through the data pipeline, who had responsibility who has accountability, those are two different things, because, you know, we're getting to the point where data quality and the value of this data is tied very, very closely to, you know, its authenticity, its veracity, its, um, you know, you know, did it go through the proper channels? Think about it rather than data as, um, kind of a, a food logistics. You want to know where the where the raspberries were grown, where they were harvested, um, how they were packaged. Mm. On the way, who took stewardship of that of those raspberries? Does that, does that, and does that was mean responsible really for just the refrigeration? A sub a, a subset then or is it are they still different things from that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. It's, well, it's, that's the idea, right? Is that you rightly called out the fact that this is just a mind-bogglingly large namespace <laughs> of things, right? So right. it's it, 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 it's like we have geometric growth and data in general, right? And we have geometric right. growth and metadata, where maybe the exponential is a little bit lower than exponential. The data. Exponential. Yeah. I, I actually every every time we have this these these conversations, I end up feeling like there's so much more metadata than data in every transaction. There is. Well, there, there, is there is, and the way that we contend that with that is by creating a, a standardized ontologies so that we can build it out in an agile versus waterfall approach. So we're not trying to boil the ocean, but all of those things that Rich described in terms of provenance, those become inputs into a business process op optimization that you're building. So that you Correct. can align, yeah. and you only build what you need for that specific business outcome. And exactly, that gets exactly to my point. When you're captured, you may decide not to capture certain parts of this data mm. or have no way of determining what it is. But, but you the, certainly... the, the person but the person who is inquiring of that data or wants to use that data may be hoping against hope that it exists and it's available and wants to be able to determine is that information they're actually captured and incorporated in the records. Is there information that I can use to kind of, it, it may not be explicit, but it may be implied. Are there other indirect means by which I can tease out the fact that this 
data or this carton of, of raspberries, fresh raspberries, actually went through this particular uh, jurisdiction and therefore, by extension, it was subject to these inspection rules or um, safe, food safety rules, things like that. Those are the kinds of things that you can tease out of metadata very often. Yep. So what we're, 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 we're missing here is the whole uh, event-driven engine for this. So the whole, yeah. where you take the MetaDNA catalog and then you create that into an, a, an event engine. Metadata has truly become one of those topics that we keep finding more and more things to discuss. Uh, and we will go back. Uh, we're actually going to have Tyler, uh, one of the prominent voices and who's building products for metadata management, uh, to give a demo uh, later on in the spring. I invite you to come back to that episode uh, because we're really going to learn how he's thinking about solving this problem because managing the metadata turns out to be even more important than managing the data itself and an equally thorny problem. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. These discussions are fantastic and dynamic, and you can be a part of them. Uh, join us at the 2030.cloud. See our agenda. Come in. It is roundtable format, and we'd love to hear from you. You can lurk, lurk and listen if you want, or raise your voice and ask some questions. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.